Hello, welcome to or welcome back to Hack Your Universe. It's Sarah. It's been a time. I've been missing you. I've been really, really missing you. Um, I was kind of behind schedule anyways, and then the universe was like, how about an ear infection? How about we Ursula style snatch your voice up and you can't talk for multiple days? How about that? I couldn't go to school. I couldn't teach yoga. I couldn't record for you all, even though I had an episode ready. So I got forced into some much needed rest and I'm feeling alive, feeling mostly myself. But if I sound like a teenage boy going through puberty, it's because I couldn't talk for several days. But we're here now and I'm very happy to be talking to you again and I'm glad that you're listening. So today we are going to talk about the stars. And in my last episode, I said something about the transits slash transformations happening in the sky this March being pretty significant. So I was like, you know what? Let me elaborate. So that's what we're going to do today. But before we get into the astrology of March, I want to talk about astrology as a whole so I can kind of make my case for why this is something worth paying attention to and why I think it's a useful tool and not just some silly cultural trend. But as always, take what lands and leave what doesn't. I do believe that we as humans are existing in this very interesting matrix of nature and nurture and free will and fate. And I think that astrology is just one lens to look at this whole game through. So let's talk more about it. When we think about astrology, I think the picture a lot of us have is like the planets and the stars having this direct and mystical influence on what's happening on earth. Like we know that the moon affects the tide and I think we kind of assume that astrology works in the same way. Like it's some unseen gravitational pull and like, you know, we know that our body's mostly water and there's some rhetoric about like, you know, being affected by the planets in that way. But that that's kind of bullshit. It's really not like that at all. Like Jupiter is not shining down a laser to earth making things happen in a certain way but I and many other people have come to believe that there is a distinct and more or less reliable correlation between what's happening in these larger celestial bodies and then what's happening to us on earth both individually and collectively so it's not that the things in the sky are making things happen on earth but they are reflecting or mirroring the things that are happening so I want you to turn off your science brain for a second and turn on your math brain or like the part of your brain that understands what math is. So think about math and how it it's really just the application of all these patterns and cycles that we've discovered in nature. And I think you can think of astrology in the same way. It's a system more than a science. Like in math, we're plugging in numbers to equations to get certain outcomes. And astrology is doing the same thing, but it it's looking at the movements, the patterns, the cycles of planets and constellations. And the system has been built on thousands of years of observations we have looked up to the sky for millennia to better understand what's happening on earth and now we have this massive data set by which we can make more or less generalizable statements like when x planet is in y sign we can expect z to happen Like when the sky looks a certain way, we can expect things on earth to behave a certain way. And again, it's not causation, but it's correlation. And is it 100% predictive or prescriptive or reliable? No, but nothing is. Think about it like the weather. 
like meteorologists have collected enough data and tools to say, you know, based on where you are in space and time, this is probably going to be your experience. Is there a chance it won't happen the way we expect it to? Of course. Do we have sufficient evidence to support the claim that it will? Yeah. So you can think of it more like a weather report. Astrology is giving you like an energetic forecast for Earth. So all that to say, astrology isn't really something to believe in or not believe in. Astrology is happening and you can either choose to opt in and use it as a tool to better understand yourself and your life or not. It's literally like saying math isn't relevant to my daily life, so I don't believe that it exists. And don't get me wrong, I totally understand the uncertainty. I get why people are skeptical because there really is no simple or digestible why to all of it. Like I said, it's all correlation without any proof of causation because science can't really explain why things trend certain ways with the planets. They just do. And a lot of astrology is anecdotal evidence collection. I mean, again, think about the weather. Like there are predictable trends seasonally and geographically yeah but there isn't always a graspable explanation for why the weather happens the way that it does you know or like think about time for a second like we look at a clock and see that it's three o'clock yes the clock isn't making it three o'clock the clock isn't telling us why it's three o'clock it just is correlation not causation and life while always new does occur in cycles and patterns history doesn't repeat but it rhymes i'll never forget my freshman year of college i was sitting in a history lecture and the professor was talking about something like mirroring something in history and he was like and do you know why that is and i raised my hand and i said it's because history repeats and he literally shot up out of his chair and was like no history doesn't repeat but it rhymes And let me say, I was kind of forever changed by that moment. So I think astrology is a perfect example of history rhyming. So from all of this evidence and observations that humans have collected for thousands and thousands of years, we can now predict things like when this planet is in X relationship with Y sign, here's the way we can expect things to behave. It's just pattern analysis, just like everything else is. So take it or leave it. With all that said, today I'm going to talk about the planets and the signs to give you the most basic breakdown of astrology. Know that there are also these things called houses that have more to do with personal astrology and like reading natal charts and stuff, but we're not going to get into that today because I'm mostly going to talk about the collective astrology of March. But you can think about the planets and the signs as like the variables that you need to conduct foundational algebra equations about astrology, but there are a lot more advanced formulas that you can dissect when you incorporate houses and aspects and degrees into the planets and the signs and the houses but that's like geometric level shit today we're going to keep it basic just talk about the planets and the signs at any given point there is x planet in y sign for example jupiter and pisces jupiter is not in pisces but that's what i mean And each planet and each sign has different elemental and energetic properties. And so when a certain planet is in a certain sign, the intersection of their energies is going to manifest in a certain way. So first, let's talk more about the planets, because these are like the core players in astrology. And historically, the planets have been discussed as like the mediums or the messengers between the universe at large and human souls on Earth. So the planets in astrology are the sun, the moon, 
Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And I know the sun and the moon are not technically planets. They're luminaries. They light things up. But astrology lumps all of these celestial bodies together as equally influential. And the outer planets, so Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, are analyzed in a bit of a different way. They're more like foundational or like psychological and societal markers for values of a time period and they don't necessarily influence day-to-day earthly happenings as much as these inner planets and luminaries do because their orbits are slower they're not moving around the sky as much one thing i love so much about like the philosophy behind all of this is how much it discusses um the way planets and signs work with elements and opposites so the planets are discussed as having this push and pull like relationship so Venus unifies, Mars separates, the sun emits, Saturn rejects, the moon receives, Saturn excludes, Mercury argues, Jupiter affirms. And, you know, each sign and planet is associated with a different element, earth, fire, water, air. And they present itself with either yin or yang energy. So yin being the feminine, the slow, the deep, yang being the masculine, the fast, the hot, the direct, the active. So let's get into the inner planets and what we can learn from their archetypes. So first, let's talk about the sun. The sun is the celestial god. It's the emitter of light. It's like the center spotlight on the stage. And the sun is leading the pack of daytime planets. You can think of it as like the sturdy leader in the sky. It's very young in nature, very masculine. So it's reliable. It's informative. Its orbit is steady and consistent. The sun in the context of our natal chart is like our egoic self, our aspirations, our careers, our contributions. This is the part of us that is lit up on the outside. It's the it's the stuff we exude, the part of us that are recognized by others. So it's not your whole you. It's what your life is revolving around. And we often come to know ourselves as our sun sign and it's our sign based on our day of birth so this is probably the horoscope that you read um, but our ascendant our rising sign is actually the one to look look to for a more direct correlation with your actual you and this is the sign that's more personal to your whole identity your physical body your behavior and this ascendant this rising sign is the sign that was directly above the eastern horizon at your birth time so you can think of it as like when your soul entered your body and this sign changes about every two hours the sun changes every 30 days so it's not as all-encompassing as you as a person the moon on the other hand is internal it's perceptive it's reflective it reflects the sun's light it's known as the celestial goddess like the sun is providing the moon is responding it's a little more impermanent a little more unsteady than the sun it changes a lot Um, the moon is only in a sign for two and a half days and our moon sign is associated with our mothers it's associated with feminine energy and this will reflect our cycles our bodies our rhythms our moods the things we do to reach equilibrium and like the moon is on a 28 to 30 day cycle just like women's bodies are the moon is very yin in nature it's soft and it's deep and emotional and nurturing and like think about the elemental properties of the moon its surface is moist and cool And the moon is the leader of the nighttime team of planets. 
Mercury, you can think of as the messenger. It's intelligence. It's communicative. It's declarative. But it also has this very um, like androgynous and ambidextric, ambidextrous energy. So it can be on the sun's team in the day or the moon's team at night. It plays both teams. It's like the most bisexual planet. <laughs> it's not necessarily day or night or yin or yang or masculine or feminine. It can change based on the chart. Um, but Mercury represents technology, communication, logic. So this can manifest in the ways that we think. Um, and it can be like this bringing together of the conscious and the unconscious. It's the planet with the fastest orbit. So it moves around into all of these nooks and crannies in the sky. And I want to talk a little bit about Mercury retrograde because I know it's kind of like the newest astrology buzzword or buzz phrase that gets thrown around and I think it's worth explaining. So the word retrograde means to move backwards. So a retrograde is when a planet appears to move backwards in the sky. It isn't actually reversing its orbit, but it appears that way from Earth. And no planet can actually switch orbit or move backwards, but based on our vantage point, and like the way in which our orbit coincides with Mercury, it looks like it is. And when a planet is quote unquote retrograde, it indicates trouble or inversion of the things that this planet usually signals. So these things can become delayed, reversed, conflictual, and it's not always bad. Um, but when Mercury is in retrograde, you can expect things to be a little wiggly related to communication, travel, errands, intellect. Like things just aren't manifesting as clearly. And this happens about three times a year. And this usually isn't the time to like sign serious contracts, make big decisions. Um, but again, Mercury isn't making anything happen to you. So no need to blame Mercury. Don't blame the messenger. Mercury in retrograde is just a mirror. It's a signal to things being retrograde on earth. Kabish. So next we have Venus. Venus is love. It's fertile. It's gentle. It's attractive. Venus energy is like really sweet, really soft, really sweet. It's the gentle unifier. It's on the nighttime team led by the moon. It's small. It's feminine, very much yin energy. And Venus can represent values, aesthetics, beauty, pleasure, appeal, um, it can manifest as things like relationships, friendships, marriage, anything that unifies. Mars is the destroyer. It's combative and competitive and eliminative. Mars severs. It separates. It's very young. Um, the nature of Mars is very dry, very hot. Uh, it's on the nighttime team. It is sturdy. It is violent. It is the transmuter. You can think of like troublemaking Tasmanian devil like energy and it's not inherently bad um, I always think about like a knife like think about how a knife can kill somebody but it can also save somebody's life like in surgery or something so in earthly dynamics it can be an indicator of war conflict discord challenge competition it can also represent our siblings or other close relationships like that jupiter has very much king-like energy it's big it's expansive it's magnificent it's like zeus the pope it's very active very affirmative it's the planet of abundance it's very young it's hot it's moist it's a big gas giant it grows things and you know 
growth on kind of an unchecked scale can be cancerous, but it's it's mostly a good kind of growth, like expansion. Um, Jupiter is very wise, very informative. Uh, one of the astrologers that I really love always refers to that Oprah meme when she talks about Jupiter, the one that's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. It's like that. And then there's Saturn. Saturn represents boundaries, rules, structure, restrictions. I mean, look at it. It's bound by this huge ring, right? The words that come to mind are like constriction, isolation, sobriety, rigidity, dedication. Saturn says no, where Jupiter says yes. It's dry. It's cold. It's like wise but the kind of wise that you get from like meditating in a cave alone and then uranus neptune and pluto as i said are known as the outer planets and again they're looked at a bit differently especially when it comes to personal astrology so they're more representative of like uh, the mindset of a generation they don't change very often they're slow so again they're like underlying value systems like larger schools of thought that change over time like collective energies they're just lingering in the background uranus is innovation liberation disruption it's breakthroughs neptune is like dreams spirituality imagination some of the more nuanced unconscious shit so like when your grandparents say you know back in my day like we did xyz you know, if we didn't have anything nice to say, we didn't say it at all. It's like, yeah, Grandma, you had a different Neptune, okay? Um, when I was born, Neptune was in Aquarius. And Aquarius is all about the collective. It's all about doing things for other people, for kind of like the greater good. So you think can think about things like the climate crisis growing in popularity when Neptune was in Aquarius. Pluto is very intense, it's psychological, it's very small, very hidden, uh, but it's very powerful. And Pluto is typically known to represent death and rebirth and like rise and fall. Now, we as humans never get to see the return of our Pluto because it happens every 250 years roughly, but countries do. And you can think about like the cycle of empires rising and falling, which is usually every 250 years. And a lot of astrologers will point to the pattern of Pluto representing like the end of these larger kind of institutional structures and cycles. So that was a very brief skim of the planets and their archetypes and some of the things you can associate buzzword-wise. So let's get into the signs. So if the planets are representing the activity, the signs are like a backdrop to show us where that activity or energy is going to be directed. So the first of the 12 zodiacs is Aries. Aries is young. It's very active. It's a fire sign. Um, the fire and the air signs are the active masculine yang signs. Think about like fire and air rising. They bring things to the surface. So Aries is cardinal fire. It's the initiation of heat. It's the exit of winter and the entrance into springtime. It's abrupt and direct and it's confident. Aries is ruled by Mars. So that makes it especially aggressive and forthcoming with its energy um Aries is like friction it's combustible it's like a high intensity workout it's impulsive and spontaneous and heroic and courageous Aries doesn't linger it just it just goes it just forges the path Taurus is an earth sign it's fixed earth it's yin so 
buzzwords for Taurus are um, like safe, secure, stable, grounded, sure. It's the holding down of spring. It's spring in its certainty. It's fertile and it's stubborn and consistent and dependable. So fixed signs like Taurus are this kind of more stable and steady nature. Taurus, especially because it's fixed earth, it's like a rock. The symbol associated with Taurus is the bull. And I think that's really fitting for like the kind of stoic and grounded nature of the Taurus. So the next sign is Gemini, represent. Gemini is mutable air. It's a transitional sign. It's the transition of spring and to summer. So Gemini upholds a yang energy. So it's fast. Things are heating up. I always associate Gemini with bubbles. I think it's big bubble energy. Like the air is bubbling up. The heat is rising. So like if a Taurus is a rock, then a Gemini is a butterfly. It's changing. It's unstable. And Gemini is ruled by Mercury. So it's everything, everywhere, all at once. It very much has that ambidextrous uh, bisexual energy, if you will. It's um, brainstorming energy too. It's, It's adaptable. It's flexible. It's curious. It's exploration with no boundaries it's data collection with no limits cancer is cardinal water so the initiation of water it's the initiation of summer it's emotional and it's receptive and it's careful and caring and nurturing and cancer is ruled by the moon so it's especially emotional it's moody it's protective it's very much maternal motherly energy Leo is fixed fire. It's the holding down of the summer energy. It's very much output like the sun. It's ruled by the sun. It's luminous and fiery and performative. It's very center of attention, spotlight, main character energy. So if you have Leo placements, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're like this outgoing superstar. Sometimes it can be more of like you bring that energy out in other people, but it is very much that like expressive energy. Virgo is another transition sign. It's mutable earth. It's the transition of summer into fall. So you can think of it as like adapting to structure. It's digestion. It's, it, it, synthesizes the excessive to the useful it's the processing it's the planning um and because it is a mutable sign there is kind of like this gray area to virgo it's like the gray area mixed with the cut and dry like this or that energy of a taurus it's like gemini and taurus had a baby that's a virgo Libra is cardinal air. It's the stepping into fall. It's the shift from light to dark. It's harmony and equilibrium and unity and fairness. The Libra is associated with the scale signal. And Libra is often associated with like pleasing aesthetics. It's like weighing things out. It's debatable. It's curious. It's social it's intuitive and it's a it's a really beautiful manifestation of of justice and of like seeing all of the options weighing all of the options and then deciding that's what i want next we have scorpio scorpio is a fixed water sign so it's the holding down of fall it's very strong water you can think of like an ice cube melting 
it's steady and stable unless it's provoked. It's deep and dark and mysterious and cold and like has this kind of like sniper-like energy. There's also this very much like sensuality associated with uh, Scorpio. It rules the sexual organs. It's this very interesting mix of like instinct and indulgence. Next, we have Sagittarius, and this is the transitional or mutable fire sign. So this is the transition of fall into the depths of winter. It's the spread of the fire. Um, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, the planet of abundance. So some of the buzzwords you can associate with Sagittarius are like adventurous, experiential, expansive, inspiring, inclusive. And the, um, the centaur, the half-human, half-demigod symbol, I think is really fitting for Sagittarius because it's like kind of this otherworldly, like mystical, majestical creature, but also is like grounded by this human force. Um, Sagittarius rules the, the glutes, the legs. So a, a lot of Sagittarius is, I've noticed, have like really strong legs or like really nice butts. Um, but you can think of Sag as like the strong powerhouse of the Zodiac. Next we have Capricorn and this is the cardinal earth sign. It is the initiation into winter. It is yin. Um, it is very careful, very practical, very focused energy. Um, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. So you can think like boundaries, limits, structure. That's all very important in Capricorn. It's very much like business, like boss energy and it sees the goal and like all of the steps to get there um capricorn rules the bones so you can think of that kind of like structure of the body um but there also is this like coldness um coldness of logic that capricorn has it's like success over emotion like they're very motivated by duty very grounded on earth um so it's very reliable energy very much like linear thinking and then we've got Aquarius. Aquarius is fixed air. It's the holding down of winter. It's very light, very informative, and firm at the same time. Aquarius is also ruled by Saturn, so you can think of it as like the holding down of structure. Um, but there also is this like whimsical, like intellectual feel to Aquarius um, because it is an air sign. So it's like thinking outside the box, but like not too far outside the box. You know, it's like revolution but not to the point of anarchy like radical and grounded at the same time i always picture like a box of wind like there is that curious explorative energy but it's contained and then our last of the 12 zodiacs is pisces and pisces is mutable water so it's like very melty very drippy vibes dreamy expansive accepting kind of formless it's like water without boundaries it's the feeling of all of the feelings like your own and everyone else's um pisces is typically associated with like very strong emotional connection lots of empathy lots of feelings over facts um and the symbol is like the two fish swimming in opposite directions so it very much embodies that like yin and yang energy like two things can be true at the same time okay so that was your quick run through of kind of like the buzzwords for each sign um 
So maybe some of that resonated with you, maybe some of it didn't, depending on how much you know about your own natal chart. But we all have our own chart, and this is like a screenshot of the sky the moment you were born. And this is a map of your life, not just your personality or psychology. Um, And we are not one sign. We are a very complex pattern of energies. And we can understand more about our own specific pattern by looking at our planetary placements. This will show you the pattern that you were born into. So again, the planets aren't putting an imprint on your soul the moment you're born. Your chart is just going to let you know generally what pattern your life is going to follow. And you may be familiar with the big three of your chart. So this is the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. And this will tell you where the sun was placed, where the moon was placed, and which sign was, again, rising directly above the eastern horizon at your time of birth. And again, the sun is correlated with your general birthday and this cycles through every 30 days or so so this may be the sign that you know yourself to be um the moon is more of a mirror to like our personal emotional reactions and impulses but again our rising sign is arguably the most important of these signs and this is the sign that you should read your horoscopes based on this might require a big shift you may be used to reading reading it based on your sun sign but the rising sign is the most personal to you your whole identity your physical body your behavior So real quick, I'm going to talk you through my big three just to kind of show you an example of how these placements can show up as self-indicators. So my sun and my rising are both placed in Gemini and then my moon is in Taurus. So with that abundance of Gemini energy in the big three, like that definitely manifests itself like physically and externally in my life. Like in my physical body, um, I'm hypermobile. So I experience a lot of like fluidity of movement. Um, There's a lot of like air in my body. And then also in the way that I express my I definitely have that like bubble-like, childlike nature to me. Um, and the things that I do, I'm very talkative, very expressive with my hands. Gemini does rule the hands, like the from the shoulders to the hands. I forgot to say that. Um, and then I think my moon is really nicely placed in Taurus because it does give me that kind of like grounded internal um, security of self. It's like a rock underneath a lot of bubbles. That's how I see myself. So sometimes I have to like, you know, pat the bubbles out of the way to like get to that grounded and sturdy self, but it's there. And then you can look to your planets to see, um, you know, like how you communicate. You can look to Mercury. Um, you can look at how you deal with conflict and aggression by looking at Mars. You can look at Venus to explore your relationship with love and with relationships. Um, and then when we get to those like larger planets, you can look and see some things that are a bit more like generationally defined, um, like Jupiter, Saturn. Um, you can see like what do we set boundaries around, what's important to us, um, what kind of things are growing in this time period. And then again, those outer planets will show you the more like psychological underpinnings. Maybe one day I'll do like a deeper dive into how to read your own natal chart. But for now, that's the spark notes that I'll leave you with in terms of understanding the energy of the signs and the planets. So now let's talk about the astrology of March. What's happening in the sky right now and what does that mean for us as a collective? So this month, Saturn, Pluto, and Mars are changing signs. What does this mean? Let's talk about Saturn first. So on March 7th, 
Saturn moved into Pisces from Aquarius, where it will be until 2026. It will take a brief hiatus into Aries in 2025, but the majority of the next few years will be working with this Pisces energy. So again, Saturn is boundaries, it's structure, it's commitment, it's responsibilities, it's regulations, it's isolations. So since 2017 saturn has been in a saturn ruled sign that has upheld this boundary like energy um it's been really comfortable and at home in capricorn and then in aquarius for the last seven or so years and so think about like the years since 2017 this very much checks out with like the increase in social boundaries social distance quarantines etc related to covid so now aquarius no, now Saturn is shifting from Aquarius into Pisces. So things are loosening up a little bit. They're a little bit more dreamy, a little bit easygoing. But again, Saturn is going to maintain that boundary-like energy. So the areas we are setting boundaries around are going to be things like our dreams, our aspirations, our faith, um, technology. A lot of astrologers have pointed to like, women's bodies and like abortion rights and things like that um having more restrictions in the coming years but in your own life you can think about it as like a rethinking of the things that you're committing to and the areas of your life in which you're setting boundaries around Marin altman is my all-time favorite astrologer she's a brilliant certified red girl she posts really good um reels and and graphics to show like where this specific transit is going to show up in your specific chart i'm not going to run through all of them because it would take forever but if you're curious as to how this transit will affect your specific rising sign you can check out her channels for more information and this shift is a, a little bit more of an uncomfortable one. Like Saturn is very much inflexible energy and Pisces is very much the opposite of that. It's very flexible, very fluid energy. So I wouldn't be shocked if this transit manifested in some scarier or more uncomfortable ways in the coming year. But we'll just have to see. So next, let's talk about Mars. Mars is moving from Gemini to Cancer on March 25th. And this is really, really, really big. And I'm really, really, really excited because um, Mars has been in Gemini since August. And this hits home because I have a ton of Gemini in my chart. Mars equals conflict, aggression, rivalries, um, kind of inner conflict. So there has been a lot of aggravation in the parts of our chart that do contain Gemini. And supposedly, it's finally going to get released. So if you have a lot of Gemini, Gemini placements like myself you may have felt like you were kind of trudging through the mud for the last seven months I definitely have um, but this shift into cancer will mean more conflict for cancer placements sorry about it but it won't be in Mars won't be in cancer for as long as it was in Gemini only about two months or so will it be in cancer but we've all got to have a turn getting targeted by the universe and shit am I ready for a break and then there is a new moon in Aries on the 21st and astrologers are calling this like a really sweet, really positive, really cute new moon. Um, and new moons are signals to new beginnings, starting over. They're usually talked about as really good times to begin things, begin new projects. And again, working with Aries, that um, cardinal, cardinal fire energy, it goes back to like our direct like most personal impulses and desires it's very much like that going like that deciding and going energy 
And then it has the support of Jupiter, which is also in Aries right now. And again, Jupiter is very much that like abundance mindset, expansive, like give me all of it right now energy. So the 21st is a great time to do some witchy shit. And then after that on the 23rd or the 20, 23rd, 25th, 23rd, I think Pluto will move out of Capricorn and into Aquarius. It will stay there for a few months before retrograding back out and then it will come back in to Aquarius until um, 2044. So over the next three months, we'll get kind of like a taste of this larger psychological shift that we'll then experience for the next few decades. So again, when these outer planets change signs, it isn't something that will necessarily be felt in like our day-to-day endeavors. It's like the psychological underpinnings of a society. So Pluto being in Capricorn for so long, again, very much that cold, structural, bone-like energy, very much like this is how we do it and this is how it's done. Um, It will move out of that energy and slowly into the Aquarian energy of expansive intellect, more like power to the people vibe. And though it will take a a bit of time to really manifest, it is very much like a a different teacher walking into the room. It's a shift in that unconscious lining of our societies and minds. It's that deep and dark and primal understanding of our existence. It's death and it's rebirth. But it is really awesome that all of these big transits and transformations are happening in such a short period of time. So I'm excited to see how this manifests in my own life. And I hope you're excited to see what shows up for you. Um, But that's where I'll leave us today. I hope you enjoyed some more woo-woo witchy parts of my mind. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns let me know. Um, But otherwise, thank you for listening and I will talk to you in the next one.